Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 47, and today we are going behind the story. I'm your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And our guests for this interview are a brother development team, Decoy Games. So welcome, Ahmed and Khalil. What's going on? Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming by. And uh, yeah, nice to catch up with you uh, again after meeting you what seems like an eternity ago in a completely different world at EGX Digital, which uh, for those listening was a physical convention that used to happen uh, sometimes. So yeah, (laughs) wrap your minds around that. Um, Yeah. So (laughs) before we get into it, just to remind people, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from also free to send us feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com or shower us on social media at myamada on twitter at myamada tees on instagram or at tazzy on both uh, before we start firing some questions um, i just want to give a quick update from the myamada universe and it's a super relevant kind of thing for the guests we have uh today uh, i want to rem- let people know that our next gamepad online event is set for january the 16th 2021 which is a date uh, i'm sure all hoping we get to uh first of all but assuming we get there uh, and we make it we'll be doing our third online event we'll be bringing back the friendly fire tournament and including decoy games first release swim sanity so we're going to be talking about uh, the game and everything involved in making releasing and maintaining that but i also want to let people know that you'll be able to see the game in action in the next tournament at gamepad online so you can check our november community updates video uh, for more information about the event and other things we've got going on around the gamepad community and yeah just stay tuned for more information uh, on the tournament and other plans for gamepad online uh, another reminder for our end of year podcast live stream um, on the 12th of december so pretty much here in the uk we are on lockdown again um, it's due to end uh, on i think the 2nd of december uh, but if it doesn't let's you know um can't be too sure of anything if it doesn't you can uh spend lockdown with us either way we'll be live streaming our final episode of the podcast for the year we'll be back like next year so don't worry and yeah bringing back uh the Maya Mada team to talk about our latest manga we'll be bringing back uh guests from previous episodes to talk about stories our favorite stories of the year uh manga comics video games tv film all of that so yeah we'll be putting more information as we put everything together and you are welcome to join us on twitch and youtube for that now let's go behind the story with today's guests so we are talking with Ahmed and Khalil of Decoy Games. They have recently released their first game, Swin Sanity, an underwater shooter, which is available now on Steam, Xbox, PlayStation 4, and Switch. Um, so our first set of questions really are just going to dive into a bit of your, like your journey and uh, 
behind what goes on behind the scenes. Um, so either or both of you can answer any of these questions. I'll leave it down to you. <laughs> so yeah, we'll start with the beginning of your journey. So how did you get into the industry making your own games? I mean, we've always, <clears throat> we've been playing games since, I mean, the ages of like three and four. Um, we literally been playing, our first game was the original Mario on the uh, Nintendo, like the original Nintendo console. And since then, like, I mean, we played through like Super NES, N64, PlayStation. Like, I think we've hit, I think we've hit almost every console along the way. And um, I think we just knew from from when we used to play that we wanted to carry the passion to a career, like to the point where when we were young, we'd even like make up, like play these make-believe games where we would own our fake, um, we'd literally own our own fake like gaming companies and compete with each other. Oh, that's so cute. We would literally make fake video games out of like paper cutouts and stuff like that. And, you know, try to outperform each other's game on the market. Like we'd have, we'd use like Monopoly money to buy each other's games and write reviews for games and stuff. It was a whole just... whole world and stuff and like once we got out of high school um we knew that we always wanted to get into the game industry but weren't really sure how so we just started taking uh computer science we kind of figured that would lead us to um something game development related around like my senior year i took a really random flash development class and that's where I actually created the first prototype for some Sandy, believe it or not, which was more than a decade, more than a decade ago. And, um, you know, that prototype got a lot of really good feedback. And, you know, after my brother kind of seeing kids in our class playing it and such, we just said, you know, let's see how far we can take this. And um, leaving college, we started to look into how to, how to actually like make games for consoles and what it would take to get to get a game to the market and just like year after year. We build our our business knowledge, our game development knowledge, and you know, fast forward to twenty twenty. Now, you know that same game that we were making in the classroom um, is now out on PC, all consoles across the world, which is really cool. That sounds like such a beautiful uh, story. I just love the idea of you being like really little and just yeah, <laughs> doing this whole game market. Wow, <laughs> that's impressive. That's really cool. And so you've spoke a bit about you know how you uh, went into computer science um, and then picked up a few things there but in your video you sent into gamepad online you also mentioned about being self-taught so um what steps did you go take to like learn start learning about game development the business side of things marketing and everything sort of involved with launching your own game yeah definitely a lot of trial and error because Basically, as far as from the development standpoint, really, we just use a lot of YouTube and a lot of just trying to figure out how to do a prototype, you know, see where it is at and then kind of bring it back to the beginning. Um, it took a lot of effort to understand the industry and the thing is that we didn't know how to get into it. So once you look at these developers and it says to get on console, you need to be a you know, professional game developer. We didn't even know what that was really at the time. Like, okay, do you have to have like a license, a badge? How do you get in? And really, we just brought ourselves to different conventions, big and small. And we started, you know, in different areas that were local. And we just started to learn that really being a professional game developer is just making a game and having people go and play it. Um, and as we we're able to start showcasing our game, we got into the conversations to be able to get into contracts that allowed us to release our game on consoles. Um, Once we were kind of in that interaction, 
you know, really was starting to understand and build that networking and relationships with people in the industry to know what it takes to publish a game, which you find out there's a lot of effort there um, to make sure you're organizing your marketing, uh, understanding your consumer base, um, and doing all these things that make sure products coming out a stable build and testing and things. There's so many different areas. So really had to go through it, especially from our side, we were self-taught and self-funded, self-published. It's really one of those things where we're really grateful for that experience. And now that we feel like we have that under our belt, we have a full 360 view of what it really takes to bring a game to market. Yeah, that sounds great. I love that you are completely self-taught because as well that you just just figured it out because I feel like that's very helpful for people to hear because I hear a lot of people, they're like, I want to get into games, but I don't know how. Yeah, and I think a lot of the time it is because I like speak to some young people so and they're kind of like, how do I get in it? And it is just, you just start doing it. Like people ask me, how did you get into comics industry and making comics? And I just literally started making comics. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. It is sometimes, like it's not, it's not easy, but it is that straightforward yeah. at times. Mm. I mean, for me, it really is easy. People ask like, how do you become a streamer? And I'm like, hit go live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's all the in-between bits, but like, honestly, <laughs> they're kind of like not the most important because until you've hit that go live button, it's irrelevant. <laughs> So it is like just that doing it, right? You just got to get there. Got to start. Yeah, you got to start. Um, you know, every day that you don't start is just more time passing by that you're not actually, you know, moving forward on your goal. So mm. whatever, whether it's game development or streaming or comics or whatever you're into, just start today. You yeah. know, start learning. Even if that, even that just means researching, just start today. So you mentioned like going to conventions and stuff and all that is not cheap. <laughs> uh, so did you have a regular nine to five to balance with developing the game? Yeah. So during the majority of us developing the game, uh, we actually worked as uh, software sales consultants. So we basically were selling help. We were working for a company that sold that like made software demos and sold them to customers. And it was, it was a pretty time consuming job, but um, you know, we, it, it allowed us to, like work on our goal of becoming game developers while also being able to fund ourselves as well. So we had the flexibility and, and the ability to kind of control our image and stuff when we actually, you know, where, where we wanted to go to shows and how we wanted to present ourselves. And um, it opened up a lot of doors um, that we wouldn't have had otherwise. So, um, yeah. So, and we, so as of, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, Ahmed, was it like July, 2018, I think as of July, 2018 or so we we're, we're now full-time full-time uh complete full-time indie so nice how was that leap from uh sort of having that nine to five to them being full-time or 2019 actually but um yeah it was kind of i think at first for me i'll, I'll say it was definitely took a little while to kind of jump out of that security blanket of knowing you're always going to have like a paycheck that comes you know every week or every other week um or whatever it was and then kind of just fully being out there on your own but um, after we, it actually happened when we went to E3 one weekend and there were just a bunch of opportunities coming out of, out of the place. Like I think we were presented like the Nintendo Direct opportunity and um, just some other promotion opportunities that we just needed time to be able to engage with. And it was one of those things where the opportunities were all knocking on the door and the only thing that we needed was time. And we felt like that was our moment to kind of jump over and, you know, cross over as far from our career trajectory. And like I said, the opportunity just kind of presented themselves. And after we talked about it and kind of got it, got, I got over my own fears of not having that security blanket. And honestly, I would like, if I can go back and do it 50 million more times, I would do it the same way. 
Well, <laughs> obviously you've both been like very into this as a career from, you know, uh, before most people even know what they want to do, or if it's something sort of quote unquote regular. Uh, <laughs> so what did your, what did your family think and what did they think sort of when you were younger? Did they, did they always support you or? Yeah, well, our mom was actually the one that got us into gaming because she worked at Toys R Us. So she used to try to bring home games from the discount aisle. And she actually picked some really good classics that if we look back at the games we kind of grew up on. We're like, wow, how does she know about like Gunstar Heroes and stuff on Sega and different different titles that are you know coveted now? Um, but yeah, I mean, she was always into gaming. And so she liked the fact that we play games and it kind of kept us busy and and we were also we were already just very active naturally, so there was never really an issue of us, you know, getting outside and playing sports and stuff. So the gaming was really just keep our minds going. And when we started doing development, you know, we definitely met the fact our family didn't really understand, you know, that industry of, you know, getting into gaming, what that really meant. But I, I believe when we brought them to the first packs that we went to, that's actually our second packs. I believe they came along. That's when they saw. You know, like, oh, this is like a whole different world of just, you know, people are making these games. People are waiting 40 minutes to play our game. And there's a real opportunity here. And this is a real business. So once they got a taste of that and, and now they're, you know, they're fully, our family is very supportive. We're very grateful. Um, and we're just blessed to be able to kind of have everyone, you know, help kind of push us forward and be supportive. Sounds like you've got a cool mom. <laughs> Which is great, yeah. Yeah, a lot of parents get those picks wrong. Like, uh, there's going to be a lot of disappointed uh, kids this Christmas with, like, Xbox Ones when they actually wanted the Series X. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, shout, shout out to your to your mom for getting, uh, getting I mean, those she picks got, right. She definitely got us some random games. Like, we had, uh, I think we had, like, this casino gambling game for Table Graphics, and we were, like, you know, seven and eight years old trying to figure out how to play blackjack and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what? It let us it let us experience all different types types of games. There you go. Market research. Yeah. <laughs> Starting early. So yeah, any any mums or any of any parents wanting to get their kids into games, you know, just start them young. <laughs> early market research. And uh so a bit more specifically about decoy games and swim sanity itself. Is there anyone else in the development team? Do you get any outside support? Um, how does that all go down? Yeah, so um, just as far as like operations and stuff, decoy games, that's all we do that all in house. Art in the actual game itself. Um, so we have uh, Chris. Chris then contracted out the a lot of a good amount of the in game artwork. Um, Amelia Lopez has done a lot of our box art and like our menu work in the game and such. Uh, Joshua Mosley. Uh, he's done the soundtrack in the game. So yeah, we've like art and music. We contract a lot of that out, but um, a lot of everything else is essentially us internally. Cool. And, you know, we, we've given a brief uh, introduction to the game, but what is Swim's Sanity about and where did the inspiration come from? So uh, Swim Sanity is a four player underwater shooter with competitive and cooperative game modes where you can play with or against your friends. It's on, like you said before, it's on PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, Switch, and Steam with crossplay. Um, you could play online or locally. So it's essentially just a large suite of kind of really cool pick up and play game modes. And the core of the game is you control this underwater uh, hero called Amuba. 
And as you attack different things in the game, whether it's like sea creatures or your player opponents, your unleash bar will grow. And once your unleash bar is full, you can unleash some sanity, which is one of these many different like kind of OP attacks that can change the shift of balance inside the game. So it's, it's a really cool like party game that you can play with your friends. And we actually also like kind of uh, beefed up our solo mode. So for people who are playing on their own, they can enjoy a solo experience as well. As far as like where the original idea came from, like we've gone through a lot of iterations, so it's kind of gone pretty far away from where it started. But when I first created some Sandy in college, I was playing a game and watch gallery a lot for the original Game Boy. Um, and there was a game there called Octopus where you'd control Mario and he'd go down to the bottom of the ocean and try to grab gold and bring it back up to his boat. And while he's doing that, he gets attacked by this humongous octopus. So uh, just for starters, I just took that idea and I said, okay, well, instead of just an octopus, let me add like a blowfish and an electric eel and a swordfish. And, you know, it kind of kept the same concept. And once that game, once I kind of finished that game for my midterm and a lot of people in the class thought it was really addictive, um, I decided to go and make a two player version where like these two, now you're controlling two different scuba divers trying to compete for gold. And all in the meanwhile, they're the sea creatures and stuff are still there. So, and that's kind of where like the some Sandy idea came from where the whole game is just a lot of stuff going on. And um, yeah, and we just built from there just year after year. Like I said, when Ahmed Sai, after I, after like we graduated and he wanted to bring it, we wanted to bring it to console. His whole thing was like, we have to like beef this up for console. So we got to add like power moves and more weapons and, you know, these unleash abilities and more levels and, you know, just beef it up to that real console experience. So um, like I said, it's gone. It's gone a long way from the original concept, but you know, a lot of the a lot of the core mechanics and stuff are still there from the from the school project. I can definitely. I love that it's local co op and online uh, because I cannot tell you how much we've been trying to find like local multiplayer games. Yeah, that we could just honestly, I don't know where they've all gone. They're like a dying breed. Yeah, they are. yeah, it is. I feel people are coming around a bit more now and maybe even more now yeah. <laughs> this year. But Yeah, it's funny because we, we wanted to make sure that the game could be played by anyone. And we had a lot of experiences like kind of growing up together where there's always some weird way that you can't play a multiplayer game. Like for us, one thing we noticed, I think it was around like the Xbox 360 times, they kind of they started to take away the ability to like play with a guest online. And we always played together online when we were younger and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they took away that ability. And then you like like you guys said, they started to take away like local multiplayer and they're starting to take away like co-op uh like campaign experiences and we're from like i said like the n64 snes generation where however the game is played should be able to be played um you know with everyone and, and whatnot so um, we still firm no excellent and um definitely from watching the uh trailer and everything it does i mean the name is in the in the yeah. it's in the name literally <laughs> uh, and um what does it take to make a game? So I'll ask a bit more in depth because that's a very broad question. But sort of how long is the development process? Um, I know you sort of said the first sort of iteration of the game was about 10 years ago. How many? It's There's no just one answer for every type of game because all the games come in different sizes and different complexities. But, you know, for us, every prototype took us a couple of years part-time um and then our last one that came out to everybody that took about two and a half years to develop but you know we look back at it now if we were to develop literally the same thing again full-time we could do it much quicker so it's it all depends but the thing that you want to make sure you include is 
once you develop the game, that's just half the effort, right? I mean, you especially trying to bring it to a market. There's a significant amount of effort that goes into marketing the game, getting your game on different platforms, published, certified in different platforms. So you're going to find that once you're done development, there's still so much more work to do. So you always want to count that into, you know, your estimates and, and budget as you're going to game development. Yeah, so Sandy was actually done. So when I met Nigel, at, I think it was at EGX Res 2019, I think. The game was, yeah. the game was essentially done back then, to be honest with you. Um, everything after that was a bunch of like marketing and publishing stuff. And, you know, the game came out. So it would have been like ready to go at that time. So like if you if you had all the marketing for yeah. it, because it, it felt like it was. I mean, I, I got to play it for I don't know, just like twenty minutes before. As I yeah, was development around. wise, like if I gave you a build of the game, you it would be the essentially the full game that you're experiencing right now. And then, like I said, the game came out August twenty twenty. So um, there, there was a lot of like marketing and publishing. Obviously, some testing and bugs and stuff were still there, but um, like the core of the game into like the end to end game was essentially uh, done at that point. Once we found out, just did some more testing, what happened to it gave it to delay is we're like, okay, we're done. We did some online play testing, but once we did significantly more online play testing, that's when we're like, okay, we got to push this out a little more, start fixing more bugs online so it's stable. So even though feature was feature complete, everything was there. You know, once you start really testing on a scale, you might find some things that you need to go back and revisit. And did you factor in all the marketing and everything as well, or did that all take much longer? than you planned um the marketing stuff was factored in and i would say it took just about the same amount of time you when you do a release on consoles you do have to be go through the certification process which basically just a process to make sure you follow all the guidelines to make sure you have a stable build on the game so with pc there's it's a very loose process when you submit your game they might check if it runs but i mean you could submit a pretty broken game really um, but if you're doing it for, you know, for PC, for consoles, you have to make sure these guidelines want to make sure it's at a certain, you know, quality. Uh, that can take a lot longer than anticipated just because, especially with our game, this, there's a lot going on. so many different game modes. It has the online play. It has the cross play. On Switch, it uses all different controllers. Uh, has local players, multiple players. So we touched so many of the different guidelines that um, we were, while it is an indie game, from a feature set perspective, we've reached a lot of things that a AAA game would have. So our certification process was more along the lines of how they would certify those type of games. Mm-hmm. So what other challenges uh, along the way did you face and what did you learn from them? I think for us, um, I'd say from like a development standpoint, uh, and I'm going to touch on this a little bit, was just kind of going through a lot of the console testing. So to get your game on the con- like your game live onto consoles, they all have their own list of like rigorous testing that they do um, of your game to make sure that you're not going to like, you know, fry someone's console when they turn it on. And, you know, we are just a two man team. So um, sometimes just like functionally, it's hard to test. So like if the game breaks with, you know, four player online, uh, we don't, we don't have the bodies. We didn't always have like four dev kits and stuff to test with. So we had to get creative with cross play and stuff. And um, sometimes stuff just was a little bit challenging just because of our like uh, physical limitations. But I mean, we we got creative and found our way through it. But that definitely, those are definitely some uh, trying times. But I, I would say most other stuff, honestly, is just like it's a learning process. So it's not always. I don't see it as a challenge. I just kind of see it more as like growth. Like we're doing things for the first time. We're learning it, and I'm confident that if we were to go back and do it again, that we it would you know kind of go go by a lot more flawlessly. And how does it feel having the game out and playable to the public? 
still kind of surreal to be honest with you like because <laughs> we're still in it like we haven't stopped working since the release and that's one thing actually if we want to go back to one thing that we learned is that like you a lot of people kind of tell you that once the game is like people think that once the game is out like the work's done our work like multiplied as soon as that release date hit and it hasn't really stopped since so like doing things like i said updates and continuously like promoting and you know outreach and all this different stuff and like i said we just released our playstation uh last week so um it's definitely been uh really really busy but yeah as far as like just seeing a, the game on the console it's always a really cool feeling to like see it like actually when i turn on my xbox or my switch or whatever and you know actively having people around the world playing but it's still like it's just it's still just a surreal feeling to even know that it's out there like that mm. and uh, i was gonna ask this a bit later on but I'll, i'm gonna bump up here because it's a bit more relevant how does the post-game development compare to pre-release development so you know now that it's out in the wild so it's a lot more pressure because if there are issues that are out there people are actively facing them you don't want to lose that audience and you know, once you fix a bug, you have to go through a process again to get it out. So, yeah, it's definitely a lot of pressure there. And we actually just we just released our 2.0 um, kind of patch and significant update. And now it's there across all platforms. It's a big sigh of relief. But it's, yeah, it's a lot of pressure, as Cole said, because you really want to get it out as quickly as possible. But you need to make sure it's tested well on each platform. And then you don't want to submit something that's also still unstable. So it's a lot of... A lot of process to it and really the version that's out there now after getting so much feedback and us seeing how people are playing looking at player behavior the version that just released we feel you know kind of just represent now represents exactly how we really want to be in the play mm. and uh what are some of your favorite fan reactions um i love when kids play and we've had some great streams where uh shout out to confident gamers they had their whole family and different friends play and it's just great to see four kids just going at it um they just get so into the game whether it's competitive or co-op so i personally i love seeing you know people of different ages playing and i feel like that's a special thing about some sanity um it's really for everybody whether you're competitive or casual there's always something there for you does it take you back a bit watching sort of the younger kids yeah. play yeah for sure you know we have we run our tournaments and hopefully we'll get back to that since all this craziness is over and to you know have these we've had kids just whoop on some older folks in tournament. <laughs> i love seeing that happen yeah because kids will adapt like really quick and they'll they'll pick up those controls and then just master it yeah we always say it's a three minute match and all you gotta do is play once you're probably about a minute and 15 seconds into that match you already understand the game so you know we have people just jump in just for that time and they're ready to go into the turn that's great is there any reactions that you didn't expect hmm. yeah i think we could i think we could honestly say that you know we got a lot of feedback about the game being difficult um when it first came which is very valid feedback and a lot of our pre-testing was around like versus so we were testing like people playing against each other whether it's at shows or in a beta and stuff and um when the game first came out we found that like our adventure mode specifically solo play um was very challenging for people and we didn't expect this to be a game that people would play solo a lot. And a lot of people are playing solo, which is cool, but it presents a new challenge. It presents a new balancing challenge for us. And that was one of the things that we were working on for our update in the last couple of months to make our game more balanced for first-time players and solo players and even people who are playing together. And yeah, we didn't expect that when the game first came out, um, but we feel like we've adjusted to it in this last update. Yeah, we didn't even... It's funny because we really designed a game for four players. And 
So when people were saying they're just playing solo, and so many people did, and they're like, did we even design this game for solo? So yeah. it just wasn't even designed for it. So it was it was understandable, and then it was uh, on, uh, really an easy solution because now we just made a whole game mode that was designed for solo. And now the difficulties balanced for that, and the feedback's been great. Responded well to it. And you've received many awards and nominations for the game. What does it mean to be recognized like that? Yeah, it's it's a blessing. It's great. Um, especially, you know, being black game developers, I think it's even more important for us to have representation beyond a platform so we can inspire others to to be able to do the same and know that, you know, we belong in this industry. And uh, since we're so big on the consumer base, um, we need to start, you know, pushing ourselves to really industry on the development side. And I think we'll, when we do, and I think that's something we really hopeful and we definitely make sure we take a lot of time to push for those initiatives we're going to get some really unique experience and really unique games the same way that you're seeing that in different entertainment industries and different things out there so when we're able to get those awards you know we definitely hold it with pride and we're very blessed to have them we want to be able to show like hey like we're out here um and we just got to be able to support each other to really break through and we're we're seeing a lot of support and just distribution for indie games how did you find the process of getting your game into uh the major platform so you've already spoken a bit about um how you have uh some features that are more like a triple a game and that that was quite a challenge was there any uh specific console that was harder i mean as far as just getting accepted to the console it's all networking really um in our opinion like it's all about uh, putting yourself in the right places so that you could run into the, the people who have those connections to the consoles. And, you know, we met all of our representatives for the consoles at like mid to small shows. Like we didn't meet them at like, uh, I mean, we met the uh, PlayStation rep at PAX, but Nintendo and Xbox, we met them at like small shows. And one was in Harlem, one was in Boston. And these are like super tiny compared to your typical like PAX and E3 and such. So um, as far as that process, um, my advice to people is, you know, make yourself presentable, make your game presentable. Never always assume that everyone you're talking to is important because these guys don't always walk around with like a big like, hey, I'm, a, I'm an important guy suit on. So um, just always making yourself ready and aware for that. Um, as far as like development, I mean, we can't go into a lot of like development stuff because of NDAs and whatnot. But mm-hmm. I'll say that honestly, all the consoles have their pros and cons and challenges. They're all they're all they all have these different things in a way, right? So whether you're um, trying to make your game more performant on like the the Nintendo Switch, which has all these different things like you know docking and undocking and different play modes and controller sets, or you know you're trying to leverage different um, like the navigation capabilities of like Xbox parties and PlayStation parties and friends and stuff. They all have different services um, that, you know, you try to leverage and bake into your game. And I wouldn't say one console was like, you know, extremely more um, pleasurable or less enjoyable to work with than the other. They all had the pros and cons for sure. And then the game's already released, but what is next for Swim Sanity? So we have big announcements coming up, um, some as soon as tomorrow. But we've been working on some uh, DLC. Uh, We have Games with Gold, which should be in about two weeks or so. So we'll be up there for a month starting November 16th. So um, one of the other things, aside from like difficulty balancing and polishing game we've been working on is, you know, being a first time indie is um, building our online community. We want to make sure that we do everything that we can to make 
you know, these multiplayer games, easy to, easy to, uh, you know, jump online with the people that, you know, that you don't know, you know, meeting new people to play with. So we're hoping Games with Gold gives us a, the community boost that we need on that side, on the online side. And we're doing other stuff as well to hopefully continue to boost that community. And then, um, you know, going forward, uh, we were never going, we never planned to be like a one and done. So some sanity was not going to be our first and only and last game. And, you know, we have plans to start hopefully working on something um, as soon as next year. Awesome. Have you already like got an idea? Oh yeah, we got. We actually have to do the opposite. We have to get rid of ideas right now. So we have, <laughs> we have to narrow it down a bit. <laughs> I've got that problem yeah. too. It's like you can't you can't do everything. <laughs> totally get that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, um, how have you been staying productive when you're working from home? I mean, we always worked from home. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that that was kind of the funny thing with us is even when we went in our severe lockdown over here is uh, it was kind of more of the same. If anything, it allowed us to focus even more because we didn't really have anywhere to go or anything to do. And, you know, not having to travel was definitely, it was a blessing in disguise. as weird as it to say with this horrible pandemic, but um, if we were to find one, it was taking out, taking out a lot of the extra distractions um, of kind of having to go out and promote on the road all the time and a lot of just sit in and kind of hunker down and finish the game. So yeah, so that was definitely, uh, that that was kind of interesting. But as far as working from home, it was all the same. With that said, I need to get back out and go to conventions and stuff again because I miss them. I miss like seeing people play games. I, I miss seeing other people's games. I miss like all of our friends in the industry and stuff. So yeah, this can end as soon as, as, soon as they're ready to end it. <laughs> I was thinking like as you were talking you were giving a few like tips and advice but one of the things that we like to do is ask our guests just with um other creative uh, or asp- aspiring creative professionals in mind like what advice would you have for people who want to make their own game and and you know put it out there and sell it like what would you what would you say to that person Yeah I would definitely say to start today is like what like we were saying before, don't don't wait because like I said, every day that you wait, there's someone else um who's on your same level who's starting ahead of you. And you know, you want to make sure that you're always on that competitive level with everyone else. Um I'd also say like define your own success, right? So for us, our from day one, we said we want to get we want to get a game on consoles. Our like our our goal wasn't, hey, we want to sell millions of copies. It was literally like I want to get a game on console. If I wake up one day and I see some sandy on the Xbox, I'll be happy. Define what your success is. Your success might not be selling a game. Your success might be making a game. Your success might be making a character. Define uh, Your success might be starting a triple account. Who knows? But define your own success. Don't let others define it for you. Don't define your success over things that you're seeing other people do. Define what you feel will like, you know, make you, you know, satisfied with your work. Yeah. And then, like I said, just be ready for ready, be ready and open-minded to learn a lot of different things. So especially if you're indie, um, if there's something you're trying to get into. Um, we call ourselves indie developers, but honestly, we're much more than developers because we have to handle the publishing, the marketing, the legal, the finances, and all these different things. Um, just go into open-minded knowing that you may need to learn a lot of different um, skills or, you know, join other people who do. No, I, I totally get that. And especially the define your own success. I mean, that's something I've been doing like my metaphor uh, a while now and still having to remember that or like or maybe even learn it for the first time right. uh, in some cases. But just, yeah, because it's very easy to look around, um, whether it's, you know, uh, on the internet, on sort of whatever media it might be, and, and let other people show you what success should be. 
and you get into problems when you're kind of trying to measure yourself by someone else's standard and mm. experience and uh, and ability and that's a that's a dangerous place uh, to be easy place to get to but yeah it's a dangerous dangerous place people will always have positive and people always have negative things to say about whatever you're doing and like i said as long as you know what it is that you're trying to get out of it that's all that really matters Mm-hmm. So I've got a few like uh, bonus questions. Just want to thought you guys as as I've been listening and like you mentioned sort of being black game developers and you've somehow managed to make a game that is not about uh, the quote unquote struggle or the black experience. Uh, how did you do that? Because I didn't know that was a thing <laughs> uh, you could do. Like, so was it was it in your mind to? Because I know like uh, Khalil, we spoke a bit about this when when we met about the idea of having sort of being a black indie developer when really i think what people just want to be is a a good indie developer regardless um so how do you feel that that's been perceived uh, up till now and and where do you see like the, the diversity in, in the indie space of, of games being at the moment yeah, yeah. i think it's good yeah, go yeah i think that you know you don't have to i think all are great like if you're you make the game that you want to make um, for us, I mean, Swim Sandy really was so the first project we brought out, and we felt it was a really catchy game, and that's what we wanted to do. We shouldn't feel pressure to make a certain type of game. And I think that with our perspectives, being in leadership positions in this industry will allow us to now create projects if we are creating projects like the Black experience and things like that, where they're actually going to be a lot more authentic because really we know our experience more than anyone else. So I would love to see when stories are created based on that, that there are, you know, black developers or black individuals in leadership positions that are working on those projects. And as far as the current state of the indie industry, really gaming all around, as far as, you know, our footprint, it's not where it needs to be. I mean, there's, I believe the last stat that came out is 1% of developers in the world are black, which is just way too low, right? Especially since we're such a bigger part of the actual consumers uh, mm. we just need a little change that uh, i think that just that starts with you know first of all there are great individuals that are doing things in the industry right now we need to make sure they're on a platform and people can be inspired by them we need to also start young and make p- people understand that you know we we love playing these app stores on our phones and make them know that they can actually you know create those things it's a very viable option you know, for them, um, gaming just takes in so many facets, not just game development, music, art, um, sound, design, uh, UX, UI. So there's just so many ways you get into the game industry. So just to get a foot in the door, just want to make sure we present that, you know, to our communities and show them that it's definitely very possible. Yeah, I think that's important. And like you guys have said, you were, <laughs> you had the idea to to become game developers like really early, but it is surprising to me still when I work with young people who are consumers, um, but haven't even thought of like, oh, we can actually make games as well. That's a thing we can do. And, and there's all these, these avenues uh, into it. So yeah, no, it's important to like show a way forward, um, um, for that, for people who aren't already sort of part of the producing side of the industry. And that representation as well, because it's like a lot of young people don't realize you can you can get paid to make games. Uh, but then if you if even if you do get to that point and you're a child of color and you look up, you know, game development and you just see predominantly uh, white males, yep. you might be like, oh, but 
okay, they can make money from making games, <laughs> but I can't. Uh, so, yeah, no, love that. And oh, also, just before we uh, continue, I just wanted to uh, clarify something for any listeners, because you mentioned earlier that you played the original Nintendo and original Game Boy, and we're talking the, the, NES, the NES and the, yeah. the massive grey Game Boy, because yeah. <laughs> I was actually, I was in a school uh, just a couple weeks ago, um, talking to kids about like technology and, and STEM subjects. And one of them, because I mentioned I, I work, uh, sort of do this gaming event. Uh, and we're like, oh yeah, I, I played the original Mario, and I thought, let me just ask, like, <laughs> what do you think the original <laughs> Mario is on? I think he said like DS or something. Oh, I was like, uh, how how old are you? So I'm, I'm twelve. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, you, yeah. Let me tell you what the original <laughs> one was. So, original, yeah, just, original. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That word that. means something. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I just wanted to put that out there just in case anyone was thinking like, I don't know, the N64 was the original Nintendo or something like that. The big gray box with the square controllers. That's the one. Um, so as you're speaking of the N64, because that was a good game for co-op play. Uh, what's your what's your favorite like couch co-op game? That isn't yours, of course. <laughs> All time. Um, I'd say like on the modern side, for me, it's definitely Left 4 Dead too. Oh, okay. As far as like classic, I'd probably go Bomberman. Mm, yeah, that's a really that's a good answer. I like that. And in terms of again, like sort of development and and looking forward uh, this time because we've got these you know new consoles that are coming. Like from a indie developer perspective, what are you most looking forward to from the from the new consoles, like technology wise, that you? that can make a difference to this game or in future or future game ideas that you come up with? I like the higher frame rate, uh, be able to achieve that much easier. The higher resolution, I'm hoping we can come out a lot more 4K, 60 FPS. I'm hoping that becomes the standard soon. I think a lot of the launch games, you know, launch games aren't going to always be the best looking games or know how to handle the console the best. So I, I it's understanding that some can't hit that, but I'm hoping... 4K, 40 FPS is kind of the standard, and then we start really seeing things that go that 120. That gets me pretty excited because just that feedback is is just so nice. Um, you know, they handle all that, and I'm excited about the services as well. I think Xbox Game Pass, I think, is a really it's gonna revolutionize, if not already, you know how people are approaching games. So I wouldn't be gets competitive with that and tries to find something there because all these big companies definitely love subscription models. That's where the money's at so i'm not surprised that they are going all in with that um so we'll see i do think it will take a couple years before we start really seeing you know the the best games there i mean if you go back to even playstation 4 their best looking games i mean literally just came out in the last two years the console's been around yeah god of war no definitely spider-man uh last of us 2 i mean that's that those are their staple games literally just came out in the last year or two um, and eight years before that, you start trying to like remember what those the games that came before that. But so that took them a while to come out with the consoles that really represent the games that represent that console the best. So I don't expect any of the launch games or anything to do that. Maybe even not even the year after. But I do think in a couple of years we'll start seeing some like really impressive uh, games being brought out to these to these platforms. Yeah, no, it's funny how people like sometimes have short memories when it comes to the next. Uh, generation release and they want to compare the the latest games in the current generation to the the new games for the the next generation and wonder why they're not exactly the same and 
it's sort of missing that that crucial component of it takes time to figure out the new system. The best games are always at the end of a console's life cycle. Like, look at GTA Five. <laughs> that is actually mm. <laughs> that's been around for two generations now, which is just yeah. Wild. It's going into its third generation. Can we just take a moment? To... <laughs> is that? Has that been done before? I don't think... I mean, obviously, that game's lasting that long, but at that level and that scale. No. Yeah. <laughs> GTA Five is its own uh, living being. For it to just be ported over like that, people are like, when's the next one coming out? It's like, why? They don't... They won't need to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not when you're still, like, top-selling game. <laughs> yeah. See a GTA till probably another five years from now, and... I just if they're even starting it really that's amazing that's amazing and uh, I agree with your point about sort of game pass because I feel like Microsoft are doing something that's gonna push the industry and and Sony in particular Nintendo always kind of like do their own thing but I think Sony is gonna eventually be forced to to react and do something like step up their offering and uh and, and make a, a real play in that space so yeah I'm interested to see this like games as a service um model like how that expands in the next generation so far no no industry has successfully stayed off that model i mean it's taken over music movies yeah gaming is inevitable it will happen i'm i'm already a game pass user but i've noticed that uh i'm buying more games now that i have game pass because it takes out loads of the decision making (laughs) Uh, it's kind of like here's loads of games you can play uh, so now you have less games to choose from to actually pay for or start a game on Game Pass and just really love it. So when I ever like buy DLC. Yeah, I'll say Game Pass definitely forces me to like browse the Xbox library a lot more than I used to. Mm. Just just in that way, I've definitely discovered a lot of other like hidden gems. And they even force you to kind of play all the games on Game Pass because they're like, you can earn points by playing this game on Game Pass. <laughs> and I'm like... Oh, download it. And then I play it and I'm like, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Why have I never played this game before? Plays more games. Uh, (laughs) The model definitely works. Yeah. Uh, And my uh, last question actually is uh, just out of curiosity, where did you get the name Decoy Games from? And yeah, how did that come about? Like your logo and everything. Oh, I mean, you don't don't want to use it. Usually Ahmed takes that question. (laughs) Yeah, I got it. Yeah, sure. So... (laughs) It's not like from the beginning. It's not necessarily super exciting because clothes throw me because I we just came up with the name. We're like, oh, decoy sounds really cool, but and then when that happened, though, we really started to grow into the name because we felt that let's so we're we're a small dev team, but we always wanted to. When you see us on the surface, like we actually want to produce things that are much bigger than us. So it kind of serves as like a decoy to actually the type of products that we feel like we could produce as a company. And um, we just wanted that to be represented, you know, in our logo. So, you know, we just felt like the duck was, you know, something nice and quirky. Um, and then, you know, having a little flavor to it. But, you know, we'll always, our logos will always be something that represents, you know, a little bit of our personality and things. So, yeah, decoy, cool name. And we just, uh, you know, we're, we feel like we're a little bit of a decoy when you might think what we can produce. But, you know, we're really, we're always going to try to, no surpass your expectations cool i like it a bit of reverse engineering the meaning behind the name i'm familiar with that tactic as well so 
Um, and yeah, just let people know, like, where can we find you? Uh, where can we see your games? You've already said the platforms, but social media, let us know. Yeah, you can just find us at uh, Decoy Games on Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter. So Decoy Games on Facebook and Twitter, Decoy Games underscore official on Instagram. We also have a Discord where you can find us. Just search from Sanity. Um, join in. We talk about anything that's from Sanity, dev-related. Honestly, we're always up there chatting with anybody who wants to uh, play the game. And um, other than that, like I said, find some Sanity on um, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, Switch, and Steam. Um, we have some really cool things coming up, so definitely stay tuned. And, you know, we're going to be out here for a while. So That's amazing. All right, yeah, we'll um, put those links in our show notes as well so people can uh, find you. So, yeah, no, thank you so much, like, for you both being here and, like, letting us know a bit more about your journey, your game, and kind of, like, plans that you might have uh, in the future. Sure thing. And good luck with the some Sandy tournament. Hopefully we turn up some uh, cool new champions. Oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna yeah, let people have a go at that and have more details about that very soon. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Story X Story. Uh if you did, if you like the interview episodes, uh please make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any and you can also go back and listen to our previous ones um we don't make games but as you've heard we do have an event about games and we'll be including swim sanity in the next gamepad event so that's going to be on january the 16th you can go to gamepad.events to get tickets for that to find out more information about the event in the coming weeks and months and also uh, our discord where you can have conversations around the event and also look out for other community events and activities that we'll be doing between now and into next year also other than that please stay tuned for more podcast episodes including creator interviews like these video game discussions and deep dives into stories across pop culture you can always give us a shout directly our email address is feedback at myamada.com and our website with links to subscribe is myamada.com forward slash story x story until next time stay tuned and stay safe everyone (laughs) 